the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're very happy with yourself, aren't you, young David? Of course I am. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, Friday, December 1st, 2023. Just yesterday I was remarking that I am very conflicted about advising young adults and their parents about sending them to college. I had been, in my younger years, a college admissions counselor when I was in grad school and helped a lot of young people out on this over the years since then in the past helping them with their admissions essays, picking the right school, etc. But too much of higher education has become a junkyard. Examples abound. ASU is but one, as it engages in double and triple standards of freedom of speech and tolerates the vile, so long as it is in the service of the left. At Stanford earlier this year, a U.S. federal judge was prevented from speaking at the law school because a group of students shouted him down. And so protested his speech that even a dean of students blamed the judge for bringing on the unrest by his very viewpoints and presence. Similarly, at UC Davis, a publicly funded institution subject to the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, uh, this year also saw take place a speech where Charlie Kirk uh, was effectively silenced uh, with the following description. The protesters, quote, smashed windows, hurled eggs, used pepper spray, and blocked people from entering, close quote. Let me give you a headline in the first paragraph of a story where a prominent liberal left speaker, Ibram Kendi, who literally supports anti-white discrimination in the law, has written so several times, was invited to speak at Pepperdine. To help out, let me give you the headline and first two sentences of what the conservative student union did when he arrived on campus. That's right, nothing. Zero. Kendi's speech at Pepperdine is a hypo- is a hypocritical, but it would be true as it would be true of any liberal left professor on any campus in the United States as well. To have any kind of conservative resistance to any kind of liberal left speaker, it wouldn't happen. It would be pacific, calm as the falling snow. This is the same headline in first two sentences when Ibram Kendi spoke at ASU. There was nothing. No resistance, no protests, no rending of garments, no gnashing of teeth. That is not the point, however. There should be no news attending a speech at a university campus unless, of course, the speech is in fact attended by or encourages violence or the breaking of other laws. But that is not the news story about violence on our campuses, is it? There was violence by students, not by the conservative speakers, and there are encouragements to violence by students and not by the conservative speakers. And yet the news, along with the varied statements by school administrators, is that the speakers encouraged and incited the violence. And how did they do that? By their very presence and viewpoint. This is the first time in recorded history that violence has been found and is being found by mere silence and quiet thought by those who are alleged to be fomenting the violence. But violence is an interesting thing these days. It used to actually mean something we all understood. 
from the etymological root of a physical violation. From the College Fix newspaper this morning, let me read. Dead naming is violent act and can trigger a trauma response. A professor who calls a person by their birth name and not their new chosen name commits a violent act, according to an LGBT training guide offered by the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. The LGBTQ 101 plus training is one of three sexual harassment modules offered to faculty, staff, and graduate students at the private university in Cambridge, Massachusetts. The Daily Wire obtained and reviewed the full training module. One portion discusses and defines the concept of deadnaming, using the birth and often legal name of an individual who identifies as transgender and who has taken on a new name. The training defines it as, quote, the act of referring to a transgender or non-binary person by a name they used prior to transitioning, close quote. It goes on to say, quote, deadnaming is invalidating and may trigger a trauma response as it warns against misgendering. Calling someone by their birth name, quote, brings all of their negative life experience with that name to the surface and is to be considered a violent act, close quote. What if I called someone by the wrong name by accident? It's impolite to be sure. It's not savoir faire to be sure, but a violent act? This is the world the Marxists have bequeathed to us. A thought, a mere thought, or a word, or a mere name, if it falls a field of the dominant ideology, can be violence. It can even trigger trauma, we're told. We now have thought and word crimes in America, as violence is a crime. And in this Orwellian world, speech can be violence. Stealing and theft are not crimes. False imprisonment and assaults, say, on Jews or Riley Gaines are not crimes, but words are. We have traveled an awfully long way from Thomas Jefferson's dictum that the coercion of the laws can only touch the acts of the body and not the measurements and considerations of the mind. You are beginning to recognize this new world more and more. Are you not speech as violence? Violence is mostly peaceful. Peacefully and patriotically marching is insurrection. Gender changing is gender affirming. Keeping hands off a body is having clinicians operate in your body. Wanting those hands off the body is putting hands on it. Color blindness is racism. Discrimination is anti-racism. Voter suppression means more voters voting. And build back better means higher gas prices for your car more expensive food, and shortages of tampons for women or menstruating men. This is how the left is trying to own the entire quarrying of the realm of thought and politics in this country. And the realm of thought begins with education. This has been going on for some time. It started in California in the 1960s. In fact, Ronald Reagan was elected governor in California in 1966 on this very issue, Campus Unrest and violence. In one letter, Ronald Reagan wrote to a college president in California that year saying this, Dear Glenn, how far do we go in tolerating these people and this trash under the excuse of academic freedom and freedom of expression? Please understand that question isn't made in any tone of accusation. I mean myself, too, in that use of the term we. We wouldn't let a Leroy Jones in our living room Jones was a radical and violent and anti-Semitic activist prominent at the time. And we wouldn't tolerate this kind of language in front of our families. 
Hasn't the time come to take on those neurotics in our faculty group and lay down some rules of conduct for the students comparable to what we'd expect in our own families? If we do, and the we this time means you'd have all the backing if I could give you, I believe the people of California would take the state college system to their hearts. Close quote. Interesting point Ronald Reagan was making, no? Look at the radicals on our campuses today. Look at the rock throwers, the shouters and screamers, those who refuse to listen, those who refuse to even tolerate a different point of view than their own. Would you allow them in your house or living room? And don't you love Reagan's use of calling them and their supporters among the faculty neurotics? It is a neurosis, meaning etymologically an abnormal condition of the mind, a derangement. Of course, we think the policies and politics of the left are wrong and baleful, even anti-American. After all, Jesse Jackson and the Stanford folks told us decades ago that, hey, hey, ho, ho, Western Civ has got to go, but we leave them undisturbed. We understand Thomas Jefferson's other point in his first inaugural, that those who disagree with us should be, in his words, quote, let to stand undisturbed as monuments of the safety with which error of opinion may be tolerated where reason is left free to combat it, close quote. But they don't abide by this. Their purpose is to shut us down and shout us down. And without reason, they are not susceptible or interested in reason or reasoning. They are absolute academic and verbal tyrants, making us guilty of crimes for thought and speech. I would want normally here to say they are intellectual tyrants, but they act as rabble and the mob, not of anything or with anything fairly described as intellectual. And so goes and so is our education system just now. In a then-famous speech Ronald Reagan gave on campus unrest in 1966, he described the goings-on that look eerily like what Stanford and UC Davis and ASU went and are going through when he said, how could this happen on the campus of a great university? It happened because those responsible abdicated their responsibilities. Close quote. No youth problems without adult problems, folks. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Okay, this is a problem. Uh, yeah? Because today is Christmas music or holiday music or whatever you want. It's December 1st. Yes, it's December 1st. And we went through a real bolagon around here. Um, as to what was going to go in and what was not going to go in. There was, as I said earlier, gnashing of teeth and rending of garments over this. There was. And I put that in there. Yes. And you and I went back and forth pretty bitterly. We involved a third party to help moderate some of our backs and forth. And I look over to Mr. Bill, who gives me the look like... This is just not good music. Already, you're denigrating. We only made it to the first intro bumper song, and you're already denigrating, Mr. He's, Bill. He's part of the letter-writing campaign. You're part of the problem. He's part of the Save Christmas from Seth campaign. Are you? I, I'm, that's the name. That's Are the you? name. We're trademarking Do you need it. to come in and We're going to start a social media campaign. We're going to get some friends, some movies, pictures. It's going to be great. And we're going to convince you that Bing Crosby is not only an American icon, but should be given American sainthood. Are you done? 
Not yet. I'll be done when you like Christmas. I love Christmas. I don't know where you're getting this. The music will be enjoyable. And then some. It'll be more than enjoyable. In fact, it'll be lanyap. Let me make people happy. Get into the holiday spirit with the Pratt Brothers Christmas at Rawhide. From the winners of America's Great Christmas Light Fight on ABC, the Pratt Brothers bring you the biggest Christmas celebration in Arizona, featuring over 6 million lights, a massive gingerbread house light show, nightly Christmas parades, magical train rides, and a pro-stunt show in the theater. Christmas characters, live entertainment, and much more. We're giving away family four-packs. So the next two callers will get um, a family four-pack, right? 602-508-0960. I'm going to give two away today. And it's for Wednesday, December 6th, by the way. Wednesday, December 6th is what we have the free tickets for. So if you're six, uh, the first two callers, we, yeah, we got them. Okay, we have two callers. That means we have two winners. And we'll be giving them way more next week, too. Uh, so if you didn't make it, uh, don't worry. Um, we'll um, we'll uh, have other opportunities for you. Uh, David, did you watch the uh, DeSantis-Newsom debate last night, or were you watching football? Bill, were you watching football? Seahawks versus Cowboys? You're still not watching professional athletic sports games? Still on the still on the banned list for you? Okay. Seahawks and Dallas. I mean, you would think, how's Dallas doing this year? They've been doing okay, but not against great teams is what I understand. And Seahawks have been better, but it was a good game. It was a close game. Yeah, Dallas won, but it was close. Yeah. Why are you guys both laughing? I well, I'm laughing because you're speaking Japanese to me when you talk. I think American I'm speaking Japanese like to myself yeah. as well. No, I, I I did watch the debate a bit, but not live. I had to find it on YouTube this morning. Last night I was uh, out, so I wasn't able to watch it in real time. All right, I want to talk to you about that. You can deal with the. All right, yeah, we'll do the callers. Yeah, we'll come back to you in a moment, young David. We'll come back to you in a moment. Okay, uh, by the way, 602-508-0960 if you want to uh, weigh in on anything um, yourself, on uh, anything political. But let me say a little bit more about education, if I might, and uh, this conversion, this, I guess you can only really call it a transubstantiation of words into violent actions or words being considered violent. Ronald Reagan did, as I say, when he was running for governor, run against the nonsense at our universities. Um, he wrote this in, a, excuse me, well, yes, he wrote it and then said it in a speech when he was campaigning in 1966 in California. He said, what in heaven's name does academic freedom have to do with riot, rioting, with anarchy, with attempts to destroy the primary purpose of the university, which is to educate our young people? These charges must neither be swept away under the rug by a timid administration or by public apologists for the university. The citizens who pay the taxes that support the university also have a right to know that if the situation is as reported, those responsible should be fired. The university will be cleaned up and restored to its position as a major institution of learning and research. That was Ronald Reagan. He, was, he got it right early on, 1966. 
And that was in a better and stronger and more serious time, of course. That kind of thing is likely not to happen now, but it is a reminder to all of you who donate to your Alma's Mater to take good, close look at what is going on at the school you may have fond memories of. It's an important point. Memories are just that. They are not reflections of the here and now. They are, at a, they are a, a gaze, if you will, a look back at that point which you are not living in or going to. That's what a memory is. Meantime, I would say press candidates for governor to do what Reagan did, the kind of stuff DeSantis did in Florida, which is to take their role seriously when appointing trustees and regents that oversee these university universities that operate on your dime. These public universities operate on your dime. When people say, well, Public funding shouldn't go to support XYZ organization on a campus, but I'm not going to censor it or I'm not going to ban it, especially if, say, they support terrorism. Well, I'm not going to ban it or censor it, but public money shouldn't support it. It's a public university. Public money is already supporting it. It's nonsensical to say that. If an organization supports terrorism or is engaged in the material support of it, get rid of it. If students are disrupting a learning environment, get rid of them. If professors are encouraging as much, you're paying their salaries. And the First Amendment applies. Peter Schramm once had a great description of the point of a university. He wrote, we are led both as human beings and as free men to ask questions that are not simply instrumental to other questions or as solutions to problems, but questions that seem to be ends in themselves, questions that speak directly to us as human beings and citizens. These questions, when properly posed in the very best books ever produced in the history of the human race, excite the student's imagination, become part of the discipline and furniture of the mind. No closed questions from conservatives. Please, you will miseducate students. And that's what our colleges and universities are involved in now. Junk thought and miseducation. Who's that? Karen Carpenter. Nice. Don't you just, doesn't this just transport you back to frosty winters that you experienced growing up in Arcadia? (laughs) It transports me back to a TV set where I can kind of see a a 1970s type, you know, snow situation where the carpenters on their variety show would be, you know, fake snow and yeah, yeah you know, <laughs> pieces of paper. Yeah. And, yeah. What trumpeter regularly appeared on the carpenters? I, I don't know. Go and find some video of it. Well, you could tell me. No, we should play it. Okay, and did he also, maybe, or she, he, have a? There's Christmas? no she trumpeters. There's no she trumpeters. No. Well, did he also have a uh, Christmas song that we need to add to the rotation? Uh, He probably did. We'll have to investigate. I I would be shocked if he did not. I've been scouring all of these uh, 70s uh, sitcom and uh, Christmas specials, you know, the Andy Williams, the Sonny and Cher. Yeah, we're not doing Andy Williams. The uh, Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra family Christmas. I found a couple of couple of good ones. Okay, yeah. but we're not doing Andy Williams. We're not doing Andy Williams. No, this has but he's been made also very. An icon. Cl- we have made this very clear. 
but he's 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 not doing it. Also American. Not and, doing is he? Uh, I think. Uh oh. <laughs> We're not doing Andy Williams. It's been declared. Let me take a call. Brad is in Florence. Hello, Brad. How are you? Brad, are you there? Hello. Hi. How are you, Brad? Hi, Seth. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. What can I do for you? Um, what, what's your position on, on President Trump? My, I'm just concerned with with our, our wasting of our time with these other candidates that I don't think are going to go anywhere. DeSantis is Trump 2.0. Nikki Haley is uh, an establishment war hawk. Uh, Chris Christie is just a piece of garbage as far as I'm concerned. He's just uh, there to talk. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with all of those characterizations, but uh, I certainly understand the sentiment. Um, And I would say this, Brad, um, we've, we've spent a lot of time talking about Here's the problem, uh, mm-hmm. if it is a problem. I don't know if it's a problem. Here's the interesting angle to all of this. I'll, mm-hmm. Let me put it that way. Donald Trump is far and away the dominant leader in the Republican primary, and no one has ever lost a primary with this kind of a lead. It's just mm-hmm. never happened. He is very much likely to be the next nominee uh, for the Republican Party as president of the United States. Uh, mm-hmm. And I will have no hesitation whatsoever uh, in actively doing everything I can to ensure that he is elected the next president of the United States, should he become the nominee. None whatsoever. I was very active in 2016. I did everything I could in 2020. I, I just have no reservations or qualms about it. Uh, not one. Um, that having been said, there is something interesting additionally going on because the analysis is, well, if he's leading by 50 percent in the primaries, mm-hmm. that means there's 50 percent of the party being polled that isn't thinking of him as their number one choice. Very well may be true, but that has to be tempered by the fact that he still has over 70, well over 70 percent approval and popularity within the Republican base. So there, you know, that other 50 percent, that not Trump 50 percent is probably soft. It's probably along the lines of, um, I like Trump, but I kind of like DeSantis more, or I like Trump, but, you know, there's something about me thinking Nikki Haley might be more electable. Um, That's probably what's going on there. Um, So, you know, I, Trump will be the nominee. I, unless there's something major that changes, uh, Trump will be the nominee. And I, you know, why would I, why would I, why would I have a single moment's hesitation in supporting him? Yeah. I just, I just think he's gained so much ground with, minorities uh, coming to his side much more than were even in 2016 or 2020. I, I just think he's gaining a lot of ground and I wish that uh, he's doing what he does. He's doing what he's, he, he, I think he's doing what he does. He gives and he takes, <laughs> you know, Brad, <laughs> I think, you know, there's some days where you see something like what you're talking about and you're thinking, wow, yeah. this is something no one else in the party has done in a long time, or this is something no one else in the party can do. And then, you know, occasionally he'll say something or give an interview that makes you say, wait a minute. I, I you know, like one leader of a local Black Lives Matter group gave him their support uh, yeah, two days ago. I, yeah, right? Some one of the local, it might have been a New York City chapter or something. And he puts out on Truth Social, glad to have or welcome or proud to be supported by Black Lives Matter. 
that's maddening to me, you know? That's yeah. maddening. So, you know, he gives and he takes, but I will yeah. have no qualms doing everything I can if he is the nominee to ensure that he is our next president of the United States. Our country can't afford anything less. Hope that helps. Be right back. What is this? We have been over and over this. We're not listening to him ever. This, who is this? It's he. It's what's his name? Tony Bennett. Okay, we're not. That's not I, Andy I Williams. made it very clear. <laughs> I made it very clear that no Tony Bennett on this show ever, 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 ever. No, not with the things he said about Republicans and Trump and drugs. No, never. I don't know about any of that. Never, never. This was made very clear. I was explicit. Do you remember when, when I, you floated Tony Bennett? I said never. So do what remember, do you do? You play do, Tony Bennett. Do you remember Bennett. the conversation that we had when I accused Simon and Garfunkel of being McGovern? Yes, I very much do. And there is a difference between being a musician who is tepidly and 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 here and there, stochastically doing what musicians do, which is be liberal. That reminds me. I, I'm not done. I'm version. not done. There is a difference between musicians and actors being stochastically and hearing here and there natural to their liberalism. It is an entirely different thing when they put it in fifth gear and drive it at ninety percent, ninety miles per hour. That's the difference. No one ever has thought of Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel as saying awful things about Republicans That's, or, or, or awful things about, you know, drug use that mislead our population and our youth. Tony Bennett, total opposite. He doesn't get air on this show. I can see I'm going to have to tear down some posters tonight. That's your problem. That's a, <laughs> that's a you problem. Yes, that was also a joke. Do you want me to give away some tickets? Yes, of course, and I'm glad you explained that. Well, I didn't think it needed explaining. I thought we had the kind of relationship where, in normal conversation, young David, the producer, comes to the host, Seth Leibson, and says, do you want some Tony Bennett? And when Seth Leibson says, no, never, that that would kind of maybe be the end of it. See, but that sort of attitude was tried once, and the apple was eaten. From the winners of America's Great Christmas Light Fight on ABC, the Pratt Brothers bring you the biggest Christmas celebration in Arizona. Featuring over 6 million lights, a massive gingerbread house light show, nightly Christmas parades, magical train rides, a pro stunt show in the theater, Christmas characters, and live entertainment, and so much more. We're giving away family four-pack of general admission tickets to the next caller, 602-508-0960. I decided to be extra generous. This will be our third giveaway of that. This show, and this hour. And his heart grew two sizes that day. Yes. Yes, but not against you. You are hardening my heart. I am hardening people your heart. People know we're, you know. Oh, oh, we got people, a caller. Know, people know how much I love David. He, he uh, I, I tease him because um, I love him. But he maddens like a child, like a young David would, like a young child would. We love them, but they need discipline sometimes, right, Mr. Bill? You you used to have that job. You were not impertinent. You were not impudent. You were not recalcitrant. You were not refractory. You were not contumacious. No, none of those things. You said, Seth, what kind of music do you want? Oh, Maynard Ferguson, Okay. Do we, Seth, what kind of music do you want? Oh, Steve Miller Band. Well, do we have to? Yes. Okay, we'll do it. 
That's the kind of relationship we had. Yeah. You want to say something about this? If recalcitrant is good, then I'm that. Okay, Muhammad. That's it. I have nothing further to add. That was Muhammad Ali to uh, Howard Cosell, right? Yes, it was. But it wasn't recalcitrant. What was it? Was it pug- truck? You're being very truculent. 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 Yeah. It's good. I'm that. That's right. Yeah, good for you. You having a good season? It's a good season so far. Yeah. Yep. Anything else you want to share with us? Well, yes, David. I've been in that chair. It's it's not easy. Oh, he's on the phone. See, it's not easy. He's on the phone right now. It's all right. Tell him anyway. We could say anything about him now. Yeah. Right. Let me say something. Do you have anything else? I, I love having you here. Nothing you further, anything? but I appreciate the open door. Okay, yes. It's an open door policy. You will now show yourself out of it. I'll show myself out. Yeah. There you go. Professor Christopher Nadon at Claremont McKenna College has a great piece in the Wall Street Journal today, speaking of higher education, a great piece. Um, Osama bin Laden, big man on campus. He writes, college students haven't always been persuaded by Osama bin Laden's prose, yet when his 2002 letter to America went viral among young Americans earlier this month, I wasn't surprised. I had assigned the document for a course on religion and politics when it first appeared. Students found it compelling as a clear and concise statement of al-Qaeda's motives, intentions, and understandings of world and Middle East history. They were horrified with it, as were most faculty. Yet a year earlier, only a few days after September 11, 2001, a cultural Marxist professor professor lectured a staff meeting on the need to understand and sympathize with the 19 unfortunate men who had been driven to their martyrdom by Western colonial oppression. Those in the towers, he intoned, had it coming. On that day, my colleagues reacted to this claim with derision and contempt, but the virus had arrived. It would soon spread. I began to teach the course again in 2017 after a 12-year hiatus. By then, the class was filled with students whose education took place entirely within the post-9-11 world. Again, we read bin Laden's letter, and again, the students were horrified. This time, not at bin Laden, but at me for having assigned it. The students had been trained to consider anyone who might suggest a connection between al-Qaeda and religion as racist. The ground had been prepared to insulate so-called non-Western discourse from critical discussion. They denounced me as Islamophobic and walked out of class. But at least at that stage, they hadn't yet taken bin Laden as a model. Today, his letter appears prescient to the young because the views it espouses resonate with what their professors have taught for years. Opposition is rarely heard at the Claremont Colleges where I teach 186 faculty members signed on to a letter blaming Israeli settler colonialism for the October 7th massacre and supported the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement. Students erected a shrine to the insurgents who died for the liberation of Palestine. This is Claremont. Okay, This is the school that used to be known as Fort Reagan. Abraham Lincoln observed a similar change of political sentiment in antebellum America. In an 1855 letter, he wrote that our progress in degeneracy was being fueled by Stephen Douglas's false doctrine of popular sovereignty, which excluded blacks from the Declaration of Independence's promise that all men are created equal. This deviation deprived that principle of its just and beneficent influence at home and abroad. Like Douglas's popular sovereignty, the false doctrine of settler colonialism denies our nation's founding truths by holding that some groups bear the mark of irredeemable sin and thus must be resisted or punished by any means necessary. It places some criticism and others beneath human sympathy. 
in a republic like ours, devoted to the proposition that all men are created equal, theory matters. This wouldn't be the first time those defeated on the battlefield have imposed the yoke of their own thought on the children of their enemies. That's a paraphrase of uh, Leo Strauss. Thank you, Mr. Nolan. Thank you, Professor. That's a good teacher. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Y-Refi. They have a secure investment that actually helps people. With Y-Refi, you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. You're in total control here. You can turn your income on or off. There are no fees. You can compound your interest. You can have the peace of mind in that there is no attack on principle. If you ever need your money back, you'll get your monthly statement with no surprises, secure, collateralized, and it may be a better option for you and where you have your money now. Check them out and invest, yrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Rick is in Phoenix. Hello, Rick. Hello there, Seth. How are you, sir? Well, I'm doing pretty good, but I'm mad at you. Well, get in line, I suppose. <laughs> so what's up? Why? Well, if you don't know, I'm not going to tell you. All right. I don't I know. I thought we had the kind of relationship where when I said I was mad at you, you would know what it was about. No, but I'd apologize in advance. <laughs> what's up? Why are you mad All at right, me? All right, brother. Why are you mad? No, I'm I'm not I, I'm not really mad at you. I was just trying to uh, j- jib you with my elbow. Okay. Um, okay. What I'm calling about is your terrific monologue, oh, actually, which reflects on uh, what you've been saying for quite a while. And uh, a couple of days ago, I caught an interview on OAN with uh, Tipping Point, uh, Kara uh, McKinney uh, did with Josh Hammer. Mm-hmm. And they talked, he talked, and they talked a lot about the article that you and he wrote for American Mind. Oh, okay. And I thought he did a really good job of, of kind of summarizing, you know, and explaining what it was about and so forth. Well, and that's neat. Kind of the the main point I got when I read it, and then that's, and when I heard him talking about it, was that Free speech, the purpose of free speech is the pursuit of truth. Yes, everyone knew that once upon a time. Yes, you pointed that out, I think, in the article. Yep, yep. And I think that is a, a statement of value or whatever that needs to be reinforced. What, what do you always say about re-educating yeah. or repetition remember? is the essence of pedagogy you bet yes, no it's yes, absolutely right i mean look at the constitution and tell me if you think it's neutral on political outcomes and then look at article four section four and tell me if you think it's neutral on political outcomes look at thomas jefferson and james madison and the founding generation john adams and the rest and you tell me james james wilson and you tell me if you think that they were relativists they weren't i gotta run thanks rick Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.